Hey everybody, just a quick editor's note from Alex here. Um, we recorded this episode a little early just to accommodate for my schedule. I will be out of town when we would normally record, but uh, that means that we missed the news of Philip Seymour Hoffman passing away uh, today at age 46. It's very sad, uh, something that I think we'll probably take the time to talk about next episode, but we just want to let you know we're not ignoring it. It didn't slip by. Uh, it's not something that we would normally just forget about. So, uh, look for, look for some more Philip Seymour Hoffman next week. There's a chance we might go and review one of his old movies as well. Uh, but we'll see what we're going to do about that. But on with the regular episode, uh, rest in peace, Philip Seymour Hoffman. The Midwest Film Nerds podcast is now available on Stitcher Radio. Download the free Stitcher Radio app from the Android and iTunes app stores to start streaming our show today. Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Willie. And I'm Nick. Today we're going to talk about some film news, and then we're going to do a retro review of Sidney Pollack's Three Days of the Condor. I got it right this time, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but before we get to all that, um, I wrote a review of that awkward moment, the new Zac Efron movie, that I'm sure you all were waiting for. So <laughs> please go to MidwestFilmNerds.com, check out my review, let me know what you think of it. Uh, yeah. Feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. Send us some feedback at MFN Podcast on Twitter. And uh, please rate and review us on iTunes and in the Stitcher Radio app, which is free on both the iTunes and Android app stores. But without yes. further ado. Yeah. <laughs> All of that. We can, uh, we can move forth with the film news. Uh, so there's been a fair amount of stuff that's been going on. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, most of it's nerd drivel, but that's okay. You guys like that. Um, so, Batman vs. Superman has been delayed into uh, 2016. Yeah. That's a whole year later. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Ant-Man moved up to take its release date spot. Mm-hmm. Which is what? In 2015? July 20 It's like July, June. early, mid-July 2015. Um, but, so yes, Batman vs. Superman has been delayed. No real reason as to why. Uh, just a bunch of rumors, maybe, but um, we got some casting news today that uh, Jesse Eisenberg has been cast as Lex Luthor, and Jeremy Irons has been cast as Alfred Pennyworth. Alfred Pennyworth. So, who wants to go first? <laughs> okay, okay, first of all, none of us hate either of these choices. No. At no, all, uh -uh. right? Okay. I mean, no. <laughs> Much of the internet does not like the Jesse Eisenberg choice. Yeah, which I'd is say not... we're in the 1% of this. What? I would say we're in the 1% of this. I don't think so. I think it's pretty divided. I think I've seen a fair amount of people on Twitter <laughs> that are like, Jesse Eisenberg's a cool choice. I think he's a great actor. Excited Hello. to see what he does. Yeah. But... I, it doesn't surprise me about the... I mean, nobody's saying anything about... Jeremy Irons because because it's pretty like it's 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 a pretty I don't, not a, I wouldn't want to say obvious choice but it, it like on the surface level he fits what people typically view as Alfred you know yeah what somebody would like okay who's Alfred okay old somebody's British butler. yeah okay, somebody's like go. older British guy I can maybe see him as a butler sure is it a waste of Jeremy Irons probably it depends on how 
I guess it depends on what he, what, what I think Al- we're what in Alfred's for a pretty different is. portrayal of Alfred. Yeah. Because I disagree. I don't think he fits the idea of Alfred whatsoever. Okay. Aside from British man who happens to be older now that he's old. Like, Alfred is usually traditionally a much... Like, Michael Caine's Alfred was a pretty huge departure from the way Alfred has always been portrayed. He's always, like, a quieter, more yeah. meditative, like... Snide remarks... Sometimes, sometimes though, not even that often. Yeah, I'm, He's I guess more like I'm a coming, rock of just like I'm coming like, more from the animated series background. Yeah, occasionally but, he'd have a little one-liner, but not even snide, just more clever. Yeah, just like more fun. And Michael Caine, even I remember reading an interview with Michael Caine a long time ago, probably around the time Batman Begins was going to be released, when he said he was playing him a little more like he was a military medic. He said he had like a, his own backstory for him, that yeah. he was an SAS medic or something back in the day. So he was a little more gruff, a little more tough love Alfred than the Alfred we're used to. The old Alfred would kind of let Bruce make his mistakes and learn from him himself, mm-hmm. whereas Michael Caine was much more... Invested. Uh, maybe not invested isn't the right word, just a, a little more hands-on, a little more intense. Yeah. And uh, I think Jeremy Irons might be pushing that even further because he's he's usually known for playing a, like a, a gruffer, more. Uh, I just can't even think of the word now. Just uh, he's a pretty intense guy. He always plays pretty intense characters. I don't. Yeah, I don't see Jeremy Irons being like sweet old man. Exactly. Yeah, I don't. I don't see him no, going going either. going back to the like Batman, Batman Forever and. Uh, Batman and Robin kind of Alfred. Mm. How, how old is Jeremy Irons right now? Even oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'll look it up. He, you know, I, I think I think the thing with Jeremy Irons is that why we're not hearing any sort of major backlash or huge. I think fan everyone likes Jeremy Irons. <laughs> it's, yeah, I think it's because yeah. nobody. You know, I, I don't. You know, I don't know a ton about Alfred as a comic book character. I mean, I, m- most of my my Alfred experience has been through the movies, but I think that. Unfortunately, oftentimes fans, diehard fans of something, they look at casting as it can only be this. You know, they, they don't think outside the box with things. And I think, yeah. I think Jeremy Irons is much more inside the box than certainly <laughs> than Jesse, Jesse Eisenberg, Eisenberg on a surface level. Jeremy Irons I think is it's 65, hard to, by the way. But. 65, okay. <clears throat> I, but I think Eisenberg, I mean, there was no doubt ever that that was going to get some sort of fan backlash when it was announced. I mean, it was going to happen. Any, almost anybody. If it was Brian Cranston, you'd probably see unanimous praise from, <laughs> from the entirety of the internet. Yeah. Whether it's right or not, I, I can't say. But... Somebody like Eisenberg is certainly, when you look at him, you don't necessarily think right away, that's definitely my Lex Luthor. Yeah. But I think there are there's a small, a less vocal portion of online, you know, communities and, and fanboys and stuff that, that, do appro- that do approve of it that just don't feel like they need to explain their reasons. You know what I mean? I think yeah, the, the more vocal never, majority yeah. is, are the ones that are like, no, burn this movie well, to the ground, you know? Like, you know, we got, we got, there was the initial backlash to Ben Affleck, and then, of course, there were a bunch of, like, op-eds, like, a day or two later that were like, I think it'll be okay. Yeah. And I will probably see something similar. And I think we'll see, we'll see, for the most part as a whole, we'll see the... The community chill out a little bit. They got two years to chill yeah, out. Yeah, yes. So once I'm, the immediate two, two and a half years. Once the immediate, you know, the immediate shock factor is is gone. I think that some of those people that have maybe a little more of a level head about it will say, "Look, guys." Maybe they'll wake up and be like, "Why do I give a, a crap about Lex Luthor?" I, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's it's almost that Mandarin level of like like people that have. 
People I know that have never picked up a Superman comic in their lives are taking to Facebook and complaining about this. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah. you don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, as soon as the next person is cast in this movie, then they'll all rage about that. There isn't a single person who's been cast in this movie yet, fresh, that people have not raved about or yeah. ranted and raved yeah, about. Yeah, the only one, way. the only reason, I, and, and who knows? Like, it's Jeremy really, Irons it's really been... cool and really hip right now to hate this movie and to hate everything Warner Brothers is doing. If, if Jeremy Irons had been cast, let's say now, and then Eisenberg, they waited a couple more months to do. Irons could be the brunt of, for all I know, we don't know. But I think yeah. because Eisenberg is certainly the otter choice of the two, he's the one that's going to get all the heat. You know, that's the... well, and you know, Eisenberg, Smallville, put aside, Lex Luthor is not traditionally the younger guy. Sure, sure. Uh, hair aside, who cares? They might be putting <laughs> a bald cap on him. He might be shaving his head. He might. He have might hair. not. I hope he's not bald. I, yeah, I don't up. want him to be. Because I think Jesse Eisenberg would probably look pretty weird. But, um, <laughs> it would look really strange. Like, it, those Smallville and hair aside, I think Lex Luthor is particularly portrayed as a man in power who who is very kind of, you know, gaunt and stoic. And that's not something that we particularly expect out of Jesse Eisenberg. No. And whether or no. not... He's going to need that for this role, and whether or not they decide to go in a different direction with Lex. I think Jesse could pull it off if they wanted to do a more traditional Lex Luthor, but I'm kind of more interested to see what new direction they This is definitely going to be a new take on the character. There's no, I mean, I I don't, if if you're casting Jesse Eisenberg to play traditional Lex Luthor, then why did you cast Jesse Eisenberg? This is obviously going to be a new take, and I think it's good. I mean, honestly... Look, I thought Spacey was okay as Lex Luthor. I thought Hackman was okay as Lex Luthor. But they're both the typical boring Lex Luthers we've seen a thousand times over. It's time yeah. to... Like, it's cool to freshen it up and do something new. I don't think he should be... I think that he should share some very similar qualities to what we traditionally know as Lex Luthor. And I'm not saying no hair. That's not... I mean, <laughs> character qualities. But I think that if they're putting a bit of a new spin on it, if he's a younger guy who... I mean, I'm just speculating. But if he's a younger guy who's maybe more, a little, little more tech-savvy, a little more... if he, if he you said earlier if he's if he's Mark Zuckerberg but really evil like okay yeah. I mean you know well the important thing to really get I think for them to get with the character of Lex Luthor is that he thinks he's doing what's right that's that's always been the most interesting and driving thing about Lex Luthor is he genuinely believes killing Superman is good for Earth like, he thinks he's actually doing the people of Earth and America a justice and that is his guiding light. And I think if Eisenberg can can portray that effectively, where he legitimately thinks he's in the right, that'll be really cool to watch. Yeah, and I think he's he's a much better fit for what we think of as like a, a mogul these days. Yeah, yeah. that's and yeah, that's totally. what I was saying. Like it's... old, it, old, you know, older, scary white guy in a suit still exists, but I think in a lot of people's minds they're used to. They aren't the ones on Twitter. Exactly. They're, they're not these the young ones. upstarts that are kind of... Yeah. They're not the guys on the news so yeah. much anymore who are starting these crazy companies and making all this money. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what LexCorp is like, too. I mean, if the company's going to change it all. Yeah. We'll see. Who knows? They, for all we know, he could, they, they could age him with CG <laughs> and he could be an old Jesse Eisenberg. We don't even know. We have no idea. This movie's so yeah, far out that we have... I will just say... Hope he's in a robot I like suit, the though. direction they're going with the character. I don't know if I love Jesse Eisenberg, but I like the idea of a younger... Yeah. Uh, Younger Luthor. That's all I got to say. I'm not opposed to Eisenberg, but I'm not sold. 
Uh, we could also comment on the supposed 10-month shooting schedule and mm. whether or not that means they're filming two movies, but I'd kind of prefer to not... Speculate. Not speculate until we get some actual solid stuff. But just know that that's out there. Apparently Henry Cavill has told people there's a 10-month shooting it's schedule. It's pretty much confirmed. I, yeah. I, yeah. I've spoken to somebody... Yes, we have sources here yeah, in the Midwest. I actually have a source for once. I've spoken to somebody who, <laughs> who is close to the production and has also reiterated that there is a 10-month shooting schedule. Yes. Yeah, and I talked so. to a guy who's a, a union grip, sometimes gaffer around here, and he said it was originally, like, I think a four- or six-month that he was contracted for, and then they were like... Extended it. It's been extended, and he didn't even know why. He was just telling me, and I was like, dude, they're shooting too. Interesting. That's That, like, just got announced that day that I was talking to him, and he was like, oh, wow, okay, cool. Wasn't, yeah. uh... Wasn't Man of Steel a little long, too, though? Uh, not ten months long, I don't think, by any means. I don't, yeah, I don't I think... Ten months of continuous filming is nuts. That's, I just... That's yeah. like Peter Jackson level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just remember uh, wondering, being worried about Man of Steel because they had started filming months before I had gotten to the point where I was like, why have we not seen anything on this movie yet? I think they took a weird break halfway okay. through production. And I'm not sure what the... I don't remember what the reasoning was, but I, I believe there was a break there, like a sizable break. Could have been. Um, and I think that's why... The, I don't think the shooting schedule itself was all that long compared to... Okay. But I think there was that break. I'm not sure, but I don't know. All right. Well, continuing on in the realm of fans overreacting to stuff, <laughs> we have... out. Uh, we've gotten a glimpse at uh, the Michael Bay-produced Ninja Turtles... Uh, Kind of some maquettes that that kind of feature the visage of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that we will be, or excuse me, they're not teenager mutant possibly, but yeah, the Ninja they'll... Turtles that will be yeah. featured in the film. We have our, we've gotten our eyes on them. Mm-hmm. I cannot talk anymore. <laughs> I apologize that you're listening to this right now. There's but... also some promo art that came out for Toy Fair, which okay. is where a lot of this stuff is starting to kind of bleed out of. Like, yeah, so. So, um... My movie's not that far away now, right? No, it's 2014, yeah, isn't it's like it? May September or... Oh, is it that late? I think it's, it's later, later okay. but... They pushed it back, that's I'll, right. I'll look it up, but... That's right. So, uh... Who wants to take charge? Well, I, I will say... Oh, Willie. Real... <laughs> I will say that, um... I'm... Disregarding the, the art and stuff we've seen, I've pretty much August been... August 8th, 2014. Okay. Excuse me. I've pretty much been against every decision that's been made about this movie <laughs> so far. I mean, honestly, and it's it's... I haven't overreacted. I haven't said, "Oh my God, Megan Fox is in this; it's going to kill the movie completely." Like, I, I'm, I, I don't think that's the case. Or like, like, what's his name? Victor, what did Willie say about? uh, (laughs) Write in feedback at MidwestFilmers.com. No, I've been pretty level-headed. I mean, like, I feel like I have, and I, I don't hate. I, I just haven't liked anything that I've heard about it. You know, like, Bill Fickner getting cast and stuff is is so uh, Danny Woodburn yeah none of the like all the casting choices have been strange I went there before I'll I forget again. about that every yeah, time so um, but I like the art I like the maquettes that we saw like I think they're really cool I think it's an interesting take on, on the look of the turtles I mean some of it's a little goofy like Michelangelo having a hoodie tied around his waist is a little silly I guess but it, it makes sense they're I don't all know. really 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 write it out uh, no, I but, think just a couple of them are. Okay. Yeah, Le- I think... Leo, Leo looks really... Leo was kind of roided, and, and okay. Raph was really roided out. Okay. Um, they looked like The Rock and Mark Wahlberg. In yeah, Peggy. exactly. And, um... <laughs> it's kind of sweet, though. You know, like, it makes sense for those characters to be a little bigger and bulkier. Um, well, they are turtles. And I, I like the idea of, like, Donnie, like, <laughs> having... Not ninja um, lizards. I like the idea of, like, Donnie having, like, you know, techie stuff kind of attached to his shell and stuff. Like, yeah. stuff that he... Because that's what he is, so he does. But, uh... No, I'm down for the, the art design so far, like the character design. And even Shredder, I thought, looked pretty cool. 
I know a lot of people are complaining that he had like too many blades, but I'm like, he's Shredder! Just <laughs> blades on blades. Just go too for it. Too many blades. Yeah. Rob Liefeld is if uh, he liked blades. But yeah, yeah. Anyway. He doesn't have pouches, um, but... So the internet says otherwise, correct? It's been pretty mixed, I guess. Yeah. Um, but the, the backlash that's been there has been pretty astoundingly, like, irrational. <laughs> like, I don't know. Just some of the complaints I've heard, like, the turtles are too buff and, like... I don't know. Just, there's certain complaints that I hear that just are so silly and so... The best yeah. one I heard was the Raphael's do-rag mask. Did yes. you notice that? Yeah. I was like, that's fine. It, it's, but people were like, so Raphael's the black one, huh? Yeah, He's going to be voiced like, by a black guy. Like, and Michael, <laughs> Michael Bay loves to make black stereotypes. It was hysterical. People yeah, were they always were... rants. They were like, Raphael's going to be a racist Don't Don't even guy. get me started on the Michael Bay, Michael Bay black stereotype thing. But yeah, that people were kind of shouting that right away. But I, don't I, know. I was like, he's already been cast. He's a white guy. He's a white guy. <laughs> yeah. No, well, no. I, I mean, on top of that, I so Shutter. The whole Transformers three. These are Transformers two. These two characters are black stereotypes. Yeah. That's racist. My thought has always been it's more racist that you're assuming they're black because of how they're talking. Yeah, kind but of. But we can... We can... The, those, the, those characters were terrible anyway, regardless they're, they're, of... Yeah, they're horrible characters, and no if, matter what color of their if, non-existent If any of these is. turtle characters resembles anything even close to the ridiculous juvenile crap humor that those things represented, I will be out the door so fast. You, they've got me in the seat now, though. They honestly, they've got me <laughs> like... like surprising The turtles look me. interesting enough to where I'm like, you know what? Screw it. If it sucks, like, I'm just going to pay five bucks for, like, an early morning show so I don't put too much of my money into this thing. Yeah. And then if it's really good, I'll go see it again to make up for that. But I don't think it's going to be. But, I, I, like, the, the turtles look good, though, at least. <laughs> they look they look. I know like, I'm bouncing back and forth This is the first here. time I've seen a smile on your face talking about the movie, so I feel kind of good. Sure. Yeah, I think they look cool. I don't know. I'm down. They I, look like a lot of fan art that's popped up over the years. So yeah, like, a much grittier, like, a little more... They're not. They're not as uniform as they usually look. Where before you'd, they were all identical except for the bandanas. Yeah. Like they're all very distinct, and I think that's kind of yeah. cool. And yeah, I'm okay think... with other inter- like interpretations of the turtles. Like how many have we had now? There's been dozens of interpretations, like yeah. different in different mediums, and we've seen the origin redone in, in a bunch of different ways, and Shredder's origin redone in a bunch of different ways. So I'm open to a different a different version of that story. I really, know? really hope the the thing that will get me actually excited for it. If the character, if all the human characters are terrible, if a lot of the stuff is terrible, that's fine. If the fighting is sweet, I'm in. Like if the, if all four of them have extremely distinct fighting styles, I'll be so stoked. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be nice. So, yeah. Cause I, I will and say the, and the, so far the designs kind of lend themselves to that. I if, think. The, yeah. if the directors are pulling a JJ Abrams con thing and uh, will Arnett is really Casey Jones with a shitty wig. Then I will I'm totally break in. myself. I'm in the so in. I will laugh a lot. <laughs> I will love it. It'll be, it'll be my number it, one movie of the year. Laugh a lot. It's totally not true, but Hey, you know, I can, I, I we can dream. We've already they, seen are, shots are gonna, of him. With are they going to pull a, you know, Oh, your real name's so nice. <laughs> like, freaking Dark Knight Rises. But instead they're like, Casey, what a nice name. Like, can <laughs> you just wink at the Jones. camera? <laughs> I'm down. I kind of hope right. that happens. Um, okay. What was the last thing? I forgot. Well, uh, Tarantino? Yeah. So, uh, Quentin Tarantino wrote a script called The Hateful Eights to kind of close out his weird... Uh, <laughs> World War II racism ret, retcon of retcon of world history dealy that he's done with with uh, Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained. Uh, the movie was called The Hateful Eight. It was going to be some sort of western kind of thing, uh, some weird agglomeration of the ideas from the prior two movies. Um, he wrote the script. 
he gave it to like two or three actors. Some of those actors gave it to their agents. And then the internet got a hold of the script. And Quentin Tarantino got pissed and said, I don't want to make this movie right now. I will publish it. People can read it. And maybe I'll make it later. But I'm too pissed right now to go and make this movie. And then a day or two later... Uh, let me let me pull up some some stuff here just so that I'm not. Uh, so this was his next movie. This was the one that he this, was like going he, to. Yeah, he was pretty gung ho. This was going to be his his next film, okay. his follow up to Django. Um, so uh, Gawker Media, the internet's favorite. Uh, no, Gawker's <laughs> horrible. Jizzrag. Um, they posted a title. <laughs> Called or <laughs> they posted a news news story titled "Here's the leaked Quentin Tarantino Hateful Eight script," and uh, this and this is from the Los Angeles Times article on the on the whole debacle. They say which contained download links to the script. The post concluded, for better or worse, the document is 146 pages of pure Tarantino. Enjoy. So Tarantino's lawyers filed a lawsuit that said Gawker Media has made a business of predatory journalism, violating people's rights to make a buck. This time they went too far. Rather than merely publishing a news story reporting that plaintiff's screenplay uh, may have been circulating in Hollywood without his permission, Gawker Media crossed the journalistic line by promoting itself to the public as the first source to read the entire screenplay illegally. I like that line. This time they went too far. Yeah. Tarantino's so, going to write his next movie about this. <laughs> you know what? Still if Tarantino, attacking Gawker. If, if Tarantino made a... A black guy with nothing to lose. <laughs> if Tarantino made a movie that was just somebody <laughs> just straight up murdering like TMZ people and Gawker Media people. Michael Jai White and Christoph Waltz teamed up. <laughs> I'm, I'm Michael, Michael Madsen. And I, I would watch the crap out of that movie. It would be the most cathartic... The internet sucks. Why do you people <laughs> read all this BS? I yeah. would love it. But anyway. I so, don't blame um, him for suing. I'll say that much. I mean, that seems... I don't blame him for doing that. Yeah. I, no, mean, I think that's good. I think he needs to to relax a little bit and let the smoke clear and, and realize that part of why we want to see his movies <sighs> is not just the script. Part of it is because we, we like his well, movies. And, and I don't the, think it's going to turn anybody away. Like, how many people have actually read this script? I mean, plenty of... Internet savvy people, but not everybody that's going to go see. There's nobody. The, the general public is not going to sit there and read after seeing tenderness script. is not going to sit there and read a 146 page script. Oh. It's not going to happen. Pete, like I, I'm into movies and I rarely read screenplays. I would like to read more, but that's the fact of the matter. Um, I think the sad thing to note is that I, I don't know how much of a case Tarantino has. Um. Because I, I, I don't think Gawker hosted. <clears throat> I don't think Gawker hosted the the file themselves, and even if they did, internet law is so weird and and yeah, wishy washy and well. There's so anyway. few, there's a lot of there's a lot of cases where there's no precedent for things. Yeah. So it's. I mean, I I, I totally don't blame him for seeking some sort of legal action, though. I can't no. I can't say well, I and, disagree. Uh, uh, apparently, they they tried to. Uh, Put down. They they gave Gawker cease and desist. They did a bunch of. Uh, they tried to do a bunch of DMCA takedown notices, and Gawker just straight up said no, and just <laughs> continued to 
link to the uh, link to somewhere to get the script. <clears throat> so, you know, it Gawker's not helping themselves, no. but it's all so weird. Like, there's somebody who wrote for Gawker who posted something on Twitter that was like, anybody who thinks that Tarantino's going to win this is stupid. But, you know, we're not lawyers. Yeah. We can't provide legal advice. I don't know. I, I think that, unfortunately, Gawker's one of those, and, and TMZ and different sites like that, there's so many of them now, but uh, are just, they're there for the hits. That's I mean, yeah. inevitably, that's what sites is. That's what sites want, but websites, like, are looking for, but... Uh, there are certain online journalists out there that actually have some sense of what is right and wrong and yeah. journalistic credibility. And, and certainly these are not, that's, that's not the case with these people. So I don't know. I, I wrote for a site once. I remember that had some leaks in regards to a video game and the, the guy who ran the site wanted to post all of them. And I was like, that's not, not why, cool. yeah. What's you the know, point? why are we doing that? And so I quit writing for them. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I I don't know. I understand why they did what they did. I just, they know better than yeah. to be doing shit like that. But Any other thoughts, Nick? No. I think Tarantino <laughs> should make it anyway. I, I, I think he should, too. I, I think agree. he's being a baby. I, I think... I, I think, don't blame uh, him for being upset about it, but, I mean, it's certainly not what he wanted to happen. It sounds like, like a tantrum. He needs to relax. And well, and... That's, it's like a kid who doesn't want to share his toy, there's so he no, just throws it out. There's no evidence to Tarantino... <laughs> being a mature adult anywhere is there like yeah, is this, yeah he's, he this definitely... is not out of the character of tarantino this isn't like casting jesse eisenberg to play tarantino well, this I... is tarantino <laughs> being tarantino i think this is more justified than some of his, his rants in the past certainly I, I i i think that this one maybe is i mean he's gone off on some really silly stuff before <laughs> but um like i said he needs to just like Step away from it for a second if he needs to. Relax. Realize yeah. that it's not the end of and the world. That uh, was, people still want to see this. I think that was his plan for the most part. Yeah. And he said he did say like his plan was to publish it, and he wanted people to like review it and talk about it. Yeah. But he should just blackball whoever leaked it. He wanted it to be on yeah. his own terms. Figure out who leaked small, it and yeah. then just fire them. Well, it was basically it was it was either like Michael Madsen or one other person. But I don't know. Or, or somebody they showed it to. I mean, who knows? How many people and he's it. one of those guys that's like, I wrote this part for this particular person, and if he's not going to get Michael Madsen, then, or if he's just going to not work with these people, then maybe that's why he doesn't want to make the movie anymore. <laughs> like, that's that's a fair reason. Yeah, not just well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think I think it's out there. I think I think he has basically said these words, but hmm. um, you know, speak the words. Yeah. All right, so on to our retro review of Three Days of the Condor, directed by Sidney Pollack, starring Robert Redford, Faye Dunaway, uh, Max von Sydow, and uh, Cliff Robertson. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. Cliff. Mm-hmm. So we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do this week. Nobody had any particular interest in uh, Labor Day. I, I would like to see it. It's Jason Reitman, but I'm... I didn't get around to it. You conceded this time around. Yeah, and I, I, it's not—it's not at the top of my concerns right now. I haven't seen Young Adult either, which is the last Jason Reitman movie. Mm. So, um, and I knew you guys wouldn't care about that awkward moment, and I basically didn't care about it either. So, <laughs> I wrote a review. Go check it out on the website. 
But Nick threw out Three Days of the Condor. He's been on a political thriller kind of kick. Uh, it's kind of a good lead-in to Captain America the Winter Soldier later on this year. Yeah, the Russos have said that this is a big... one. Of, this is one that they specifically named about being an inspiration for the tone of... Yeah. And the reason they yeah. cast Redford. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His so, experience in this kind of thing. Um, IMDb synopsis says, A bookish CIA researcher finds all his coworkers dead and must outwit those responsible until he figures out who he can really trust. Succinct, well put. On point. Uh, on point. So uh, none of us had seen this before Mm-mm. this week, correct? This is a first for me. Yeah. This is one I've been sitting on for a long time. My dad tried watching it with me a long time ago. Yeah. And I don't remember why we didn't. I don't remember what we chose instead. This is one that my dad really likes. Okay. I'm definitely glad this is a movie I watch now instead of, you know, back when I was kind of on my discovering older movies kick as a teenager or whatever, you know what I mean? When I was really like pouring through old movies of the seventies and, and the sixties and stuff, because I don't think I would have appreciated it back then as okay. much as I do now. I just, just knowing my younger self, yeah. I don't think I would have been as into it. So, all right, well continue on with your thoughts then. Um, I, I really enjoyed the movie. I, I think there are certain elements obviously that are dated that, that, not 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 the technology. The 70s porno tracks. <laughs> Some of the music is, is pretty goofy, but I kind of like it. It's like Anchorman. I, I kind of like it, and like the, the way that the the seventies the seventies credits and stuff are very yeah. very seventies, oh, and I kind of love it. But no, I, I guess dated in the sense of, uh, unfortunately, there's a certain degree of of inherent sexism a little bit with with some of the stuff that happens yeah. with the Faye Dunaway character and, and I, you wish you wish that the movie that the mindset was different back then so we could get maybe a more interesting like a more interesting character out of her because I like Faye Dunaway a lot but I just she's just kind of there you yeah. know um, she's there for the love not making not a particularly <laughs> strong character yeah. no not really Which, but it's, <laughs> honestly that, that aside I don't have really too many complaints about the movie um, it's it's a very tense movie yeah. Um, it's reminds me of um, watching movies like Enemy of the State when they first came out and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and you can see where some of those ideas, and even like the Bourne movies, where some of those ideas kind of, or I feel like, or the Bourne book, whatever, came from. And um, Redford's an amazing leading man. He always has been. This is a really good performance from him. I like that he's playing a character who's a perfect mixture of capable and and reluctant. You know, like he's yeah. he's not. He's not Mr. Action Hero, can handle everything, shoots an M16. A little, more, little more Jack Ryan. Takes the fight less, to the bad uh, guys. Yeah, a little bit. But he's yeah. also not some bumbling idiot that just, like, spazzes at every bad thing that happens around him. So I really appreciate that. I like that he's a character who is obviously very knowledgeable in a ton of different areas because of his job as a essentially a, a book reader yeah. <laughs> for the CIA. And I like that he's able to use some of those skills that he's clearly picked up over the years and he puts them to use in his attempt to not die. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, uh, Max, Oh man, Max is so good. <laughs> that is that. Now that's an actor who's incredibly underrated in my opinion. He, the work, everything I've ever seen him in, obviously the exorcist being the standout for me. I mean, he was, God, he's just a powerhouse. Like, and he doesn't even need, even need to do that much. Like he's just got that presence, that on-screen yeah. presence. You know, he's very, um, Oftentimes today with villains in movies, I mean, I, I love some of the villain performances we've gotten in the last 10 years or so. Obviously, Ledger would be one that a lot of people would bring up. Um, and using that as an example, he's great in the, in, the, in the Batman film, but he's... 
Max doesn't have to do anything. Like he, he just just being there and the looks he gives, like the looks he gives to Redford, and just his presence is so foreboding. And, and you never know when he's gonna, you know, I don't know when he's gonna do something nasty. You the know, ten, the tense elevator scene is very. Yes, very which good. which which you can clearly see. Watching once them it, both play the chess in their head is very. Interesting. It's it's an incredible. Both of them are doing such a good job in that scene, and just the the tense the such an such. Such art gone into building tension in this movie, yeah. which I really appreciate. The plot, the, the plot's a little straightforward, certainly by today's standards, you know, and that's maybe part of what's a little dated. There's not a ton of twists and turns that make my jaw hit the floor or anything. Obviously, they're there, but um, part of that is just that I I grew up with movies nowadays that try so hard to make some sort of shocking twist that nothing seems all that shocking anymore. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the movie. I'm like I said, I'm very happy I saw it now. As opposed to back then, because I think I have more of appreciation for it, and I think I'll watch it again. I think this is one I'll probably buy at some point, and it'll be like a perfect uh, double feature. Double feature with prisoners on a rainy day. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Since I mentioned that before, no, right, I, right. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely, good. good. Nick, how'd you feel about three days for the of the of the condor? <laughs> Last days of the condor. <laughs> outlaws. Uh, how'd you I feel about it? outlaws. Outlaws. I liked outlaws. <laughs> there's, Thor, a whole, there's, a whole, outlaws. there's a whole episode of, about. Yeah, you guys should go back and listen to that. Yeah, go back to episode three. I our review out. of I Lawless. Lawless. Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, or the wettest county in the world, as it should have been known. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, Three Days of the Condor I, I really loved. It's a it's right up my alley. It's exactly the type of movie that I just love to watch. And I, it, it, it hooked me immediately because there's a nice, long opening shot that doesn't feel the need to cut, 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 cut. Cut. I was like, God, this is an old movie. <laughs> Which is funny because this movie's known for its short, short, uh, short shots. Is it? Yeah, it's got a lot of shots for the length of time that it's in. Oh hmm. uh, yeah, up. there was a piece of trivia that said the average <clears throat> shot length is five seconds. Yeah, but by today's standards, that's like that's super long. That's super long. <laughs> but I, I just love that. It's opening. funny that you had that reaction. <laughs> I think that's because we've that's been watching a, so much bullshit lately. Yeah. It was just like it, to try to keep people's retarded attention spans in 2014 you have to cut constantly refresh the brain what 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 and like <laughs> this is such a great like i'm like god it's so cool to watch a movie where there was a director who knew how to direct and mm-hmm. was just like this is the shot deal with it and it's just so <laughs> fun i loved that opening shot it was so cool and uh it's a very strongly directed movie like there's mm-hmm. a lot of weird shot and a lot of weird placement within the frame of like weird skewing of people's faces with like fencing and yeah and uh that kind of stuff it's really cool uh it's really tense and and it echoes well i should say other movies echo this movie Mm -hmm. like this is clearly the beginning of a a big inspiration for a lot of modern or not so much modern but like 90s spy thrillers Mm -hmm. the type of thing i grew up watching as a kid like i watched Stuff like even Witness to an extent has some sure. of this tension. <clears throat> that was I, that was when I watched as a as a young person. Enemy of the State, Spy Game, Clear and Present Danger. Yes, yeah. those are movies that those, that was the stuff my dad watched with me, and I think that's why at one point he wanted to watch Three Days of the Condor with me, and um, I, I just loved watching it now because I was like, wow, it's really cool to see um, where a lot of that stuff got its inspiration for for the tone and everything. Um, I, yeah, Max is so good. Again, so good. He, he plays that great, the great example of a really interesting hitman that's like has a, a, a strong moral, uh, a hitman who kind of enjoys his work. He's not just he's not not in a sadistic way though. He likes he has an amazing line about it at, towards the end of the movie. Yeah, 
and uh, which I'll get into later. But he's he just plays it so well. And like you said, he doesn't even have to do anything. He just has to be there. <laughs> no, with just a, with a presence, cool little yeah. mustache. Because and I was like, whoa, that is a character. <laughs> and they, part of it too is like you said, the direction. I think with his, his part of it is is the the build up of his character through the direction in the beginning, the opening sh- scenes, because mm-hmm. you don't know what he's up to, and you're like, who oh, is yeah. this guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. And like the weird like throwing away the umbrella and stuff is really mm-hmm. creepy. And yeah, and, and every the characters in this movie are so. Charactery, like they're immediately established as as real characters that are real people that have real quirks. Like Redford's got all these little, he knows exactly when the rain is starting and stopping because he rides a motorcycle everywhere. Like that's a cool character trait. He reads all the time. He has this little back door he uses every day because it saves him a block when yeah. he goes and picks up lunch. There's little things sprinkled throughout the movie that flesh out a character that are not like turned towards the screen and be like. This man has a haunted past. His <laughs> wife was killed. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. none of that. It's just little things in the way he dresses and the way he carries himself. And the way that Carl almost cuts him off at the beginning and he, like, laughs at it. There's, like, little little things throughout the, mo- the movie like that that really help flesh all these people out mm-hmm. and make them feel real and, and cool. Uh, I disagree a little bit on the Faye Dunaway character. I actually don't think she was just a two-dimensional uh, just woman for Redford to seize. There's... <laughs> She's she's kind of an interesting character because she actually stands up to him a lot of times. Even after they kind of get along, she still fires back at him a lot. And I was like, I, I, I get what you're saying. Like, it does feel like there's she has tendencies that feel like this is kind of a a, a male, a kind of a chauvinistic driven movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in a way, her character is is kind of the opposite at times. And there's a couple lines she has that I I, I will get into later in spoiler territory. But I remember watching it and thinking initially that's all she was going to be. And by the end of the movie, I was actually kind of impressed with her hmm. character. I was like, she actually had some moments that uh, fleshed her out a little bit. And, and granted, some of them were discovered through Redford voicing it or through things he found about her. But by the time the movie was over, I was kind of like, all right. She was actually a pretty compelling uh, female lead, in my opinion. And... um yeah, I just really liked it. I'm ex- I can see how, if if this is influencing Cap in the way I think it is, I I can't wait. <laughs> I'm oh, yeah, so totally. excited. If totally. Cap is like a Man on the Run story, oh wow! Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I am really, really, really excited. Very excited, and I'm I'm more excited for that now. And and the trailers have me less excited because if the trailers, if it's a little more action festy that the trailers are promising, that would be a lot of fun. But I love the idea of like a lower key, mm-hmm. more espionagey, well, more intimate. I yes, think by yes, yes. function of being comic book movie trailers, they pack all of the action. No, into that. I agree. Yeah, so. my guess. I, I don't know. I'm hoping that it, that you're right, Nick, in the sense that it's for the most part the journey is kind of more of a like an intimate, like kind of a small scale that's, story. That's I mean, what I've heard. That's heightened by there, exclamation yeah. points. Of, and there are know. there are some beats in the trailer that very clearly put the idea that Shield is 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 Big Brother mm. and Shield mm-hmm. and doesn't like the Cap. Wants to do what's right. Right. Very similar. Very, very, very similar. Yeah. To uh, yeah. Redford's character. So, I liked it quite a bit. I, I, it fits right in that awesome era of, of spy stuff, and it reminds me a lot of, like, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, like, the kind of atmosphere. So, uh, yeah, I would totally watch it again. I'm excited to watch some more stuff from that era, too, because immediately a million other things were recommended to me. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Amazon had a pretty killer list of things underneath the uh, and the suggestions there. Which is so. weird, too, because I just started watching The Spy Who Came In From The Cold a couple days earlier on Amazon Prime. And I got, like, 20 minutes in, and then I fell asleep. Yeah, we really should late. say this is free for Amazon Prime mm-hmm. uh, users yeah. to go and stream. That's, That's how we watched it. Yes, it is. <clears throat> you getting paid for this? No. <laughs> We wish. Alex. Um, I did not love the movie. I think a second rewatch 
possibly when I'm a little more in the mood for it. I mean, a first rewatch. <clears throat> well, yes, yeah, <laughs> an initial rewatch uh, could uh, could maybe alleviate some of the issues that I had with it. It didn't quite hook me like like it did Eunuch. Um, Eunuch, um, but <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> I did like Redford quite a bit. I got I got a very Brad Pitt kind of vibe from him in this. Like yeah. Our Man, yeah. yes, I lo- I loved Our Man in this film. But uh, <clears throat> that's funny because Spy Game was a direct like influence or was stemmed out of this movie. And I I've never seen, but even just like for some reason like the facial structure and some of the like ways that he would. Emote and <clears throat> react to things. I, I kind of got a Brad Pitt feeling, and I like Brad Pitt very much. So, um, uh, I think the Faye Dunaway character was one of the bigger issues that I had. Like any of the like fighting back or any of that loses meaning to me with the love story. Like, I get it. Stockholm syndrome is a we- is, is a real thing. Mm. And it felt, if it felt more like that storyline transpired due to her wanting to survive, then okay. But I didn't get that feeling out of it. I felt like it was more of a, oh my god, this is Robert Redford, I'm going to sleep with him. <laughs> I mean... <clears throat> Which is apparently you know. how she felt about it all, and that's why Sidney Pollack had to come in and be... The, and scare the shit out of her. Scare the crap out of her so she could actually... Like, Sidney Pollack was so cool. Can we just talk Sidney Pollack for a second, what an awesome dude he was? <laughs> he Here's a bit of trivia that I read, too. Did you read the thing about the pan and scan? Yes. That a Danish TV yes. network showed this movie in pan and scan, and Sidney Pollack tried to sue them under the... <laughs> The uh, idea that he's he there's some law I think in Denmark apparently or some somewhere yeah uh, let me let me I maybe can actually... it's a law that that exists here in in the states as well there's a law that allows you as an artist to to try to legally protect your artistic integrity and because they showed the movie in pan and scan <laughs> and on its original format he tried to sue them that's amazing that's awesome what's this thing about Faye Dunaway him scaring him I... Uh, okay, Sidney Pollack brought a lawsuit against Danish TV after screening Three Days of the Condor on Pan and Scan in 1991. The court ruled that Pan and Scanning conducted by Danish tele- television was a mutilation of the film and a <laughs> violation of Pollack's droit morale, which is his legal right as an artist, to maintain his reputation by protecting the integrity of his work. Nonetheless, the court ruled in favor of the defendant on a technicality. So, somewhere, somewhere technicality. it fell apart. But <clears throat> so... Um, let me keep talking for a second. So you're basically wondering... the TLDR, Faye Dunaway was so enamored with Robert Redford that she wasn't acting well enough. She wasn't scared of him enough. So yeah. like Sidney wanted, Pollack yeah, ran wanted. the scene a bunch of times with her and he was like in the place and he was really intense and creepy and like screaming at her and shaking the chair she was in. Cause she was like too, just like, to really shake her he up. He was too dreamy for it. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and which is, which is also funny because Sidney Pollack paid and played the man on the phone that she talks to. That's yeah. The boyfriend. Kind of, yeah. The boyfriend. Oh, or the, 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 the male suitor. That's funny. Yeah. So, um, but I feel, I feel like a lot of, like, I absolutely agree that she does like push back at him, which, uh, you know, and, and he obviously as a guy who's not there to kill her, he's just trying to survive. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't like pistol whip her when she gets mouthy or anything like that. And I respect that (laughs) part of the relationship, but, um, the idea that she like falls in love with him and sleeps with him and whatnot, Mm, kind of taking it a little far there. Okay, the idea that she sleeps with him in the first place, I just I feel like it invalidates a lot of the 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 idea that she is strong because she talks back to him. It feels okay. it feels more like a 
like her being snide and maybe nervously trying to deal with the situation and less of a, I'm actually trying to stand up for myself because she knows she's just going to get railroaded by the fact that he has a gun anyway. That's, that's how I felt about it. Um, but, and then on top of that, like, yeah, Stockholm syndrome is a real thing, but it doesn't, I mean, unless you're Robert Redford, it takes a little bit longer than <laughs> less than a day. <clears throat> Three days, man. <laughs> Um, it's not called one day of the condor. <laughs> I uh, I like where it all ends up. I like the 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 twist. I think it's interesting. Um, I I I I enjoy that this movie basically starts out like it's it's Rubicon. Like that's the whole movie is basically Rubicon. Yeah, uh, I mean Rubicon didn't get to this point. Like it doesn't. Mm. Like that, that <laughs> when everybody's still alive, that's Rubicon, and as soon as everybody dies, it's no longer Rubicon anymore. <laughs> but um, yeah. the first it, ten minutes is Rubicon. Yeah, like if if if, they, if if AMC was like, let's make Rubicon a little bit more suspense, thriller, actiony, then that's when this would happen. But I I like that idea, and and I like the broad strokes of the story. But for some reason, it just it didn't all quite come together for me. I liked uh, Max, of course, as we have heaps praise on Max von Sydow. I, I say Sydow. Some people say Sydow. I don't know what it actually is. He, old, old priest. <laughs> I liked old priest's um, performance. <laughs> and there was somebody that uh, there was some. Conclu- oh, I kind of uh, a lot of his ideals about being an assassin and all that stuff. Uh, because I haven't mentioned Joss Whedon yet, I think harkens to. <laughs> the operative in Serenity very much. And I liked kind of drawing that parallel and thinking about them together and kind of, they're not, they're very different people and they're very different, like assassins and they're, but, but they are contracted by the government to take care of a certain thing. And, and, and they, you know, but I think it's, I think it's, I think you're reaching there. I don't, I don't think so, but you know, the operative isn't contracted. He believes in his cause. Yeah. Wholeheartedly. No, Absolutely. Well, I he's he's still employed by the government because of his faith. We're getting we're this isn't about serenity, <laughs> All right. but it, I I fully acknowledge that Max von Sydow's more of a this is a paycheck. And he's it's a freelancer, <laughs> but he even says as much. Yeah, but I I still think it's an interesting parallel to think about at the very least for me as somebody who likes Jasmine. Um, Do you? N- no. Um... <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I would have to give it a second watch. It wasn't, it wasn't, it hasn't been my, fa- it wasn't my favorite thriller that I've ever seen, although I don't know what that would be <laughs> if I think about it. Uh, I'll let you guys know, but, <laughs> but I, uh, I think it's cool. I think if I had kind of framed it in my mind a little bit more as a precursor to a lot of thrillers and things, uh, much like I framed like John Carter in my mind as being mm. a precursor to a lot of modern science fiction that I might have kind of been thinking about that more as the movie was playing along and I, and I didn't quite do that but I think uh, knowing that this is something that the Russos looked at for Cap I think this is an interesting watch before you go and see Cap yeah, yeah. for sure so 
All right, I think we will take a quick break and then head into spoiler Terry. So we'll be right back. All right, we have arrived in spoiler Terry for three days of the Condor. Um, Willie, what you want to talk about? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I want to talk about Max a lot because <laughs> he's awesome. No, uh, I think we should, we should talk about the, uh, the kind of the, the twist, not the end of the movie, but kind of the, the climax of, of the relationship between Max and, uh, and Redford. <laughs> what, did you like the climax of the relationship? <laughs> it's not that kind of movie, Alex. Stop it. Um, no, I, 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 I the speech that that he gives to Redford is so cool and like it's it, very interesting it puts everything that's happened uh, the entire like game of cat and mouse between them in perspective you know what I mean because yeah. it, it feels I don't know you, you can't quite get a bead on exactly what I mean you, you clearly know what his what uh, Von Sydow's motivation is but you can't quite get a beat on is is he a guy who's like who like gets off on killing people or is he like just like it's all business or like I don't know you never quite get a, a lead on him as a character until that moment when you go oh I totally yeah. get him now like makes a lot of sense it puts it all in perspective which is very cool I love moments like that that kind of kind of like peel the curtain back on on a character's motivations without like Nick said earlier without like saying this man. You know, like, yeah. this is how he feels, you know, so that it's really nice. This movie does a good job of doing a lot of that, you know, a lot of subtle character development through through action and through... Yeah, uh, showing and not telling. Yeah, which which is, unfortunately, an art form that's a bit lost, I feel like, today yeah. um, with a lot of films. So, yeah, I I don't know. That's, that's all I want to talk about. It's a really good scene. Yeah, and yeah. I, I will say I like the... Um, I, I think this. I'm, I'm going to take a guess and say this movie is pretty violent for its day. Like it, it, it goes there, you know. Yeah, like, the opening or not the opening scene, but the the mass murder of the office. I I was almost hoping as it was building up to it, I was hoping they weren't going to show it. Mm. I really wanted to see like the initial like build up to it mm. and see like the guys gathering outside and then see him coming back with the lunch and react to and thinking he's going to walk into the middle of it and then realizing. That it's already happened. Yeah. And yeah. he's like 20 minutes late. And like, that would have been cool. But the scene of the way they just spread through the building so meticulously and killed everybody was yeah, pretty fun to watch. It's kind of creepy, you know? Like, yeah. Because the, they're when so. They get away from the window was really creepy. Uh huh. The, the details after the scene were like, I loved the smo- still smoking cigarette on the chest of the secretary. Yeah. I was like, kind of burning that's a cool. hole in her. Uh, yes. Because it tells a story, you know? Like, little details like yep. that tell a story of what. It, that, that's almost why it would kind of have worked in the way you just said with him coming back after it happened. Oh, like, yeah. You know, like, like without the audience knowing exactly what went down because there'd be that, like, oh, my gosh, like, the cigarettes, and, like, little like, trails of evidence mm-hmm. of what was going on. Yeah. Blood, and not knowing who's alive and who's not, who may have yeah. made it and who didn't. Pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, and I, I will say the, the fight scene... <laughs> 
the fight scene between uh, Redford and, and Mailman. And Mailman, I love that. Scene. <laughs> They're like jump amazing. kicking each other like That's, thirty times. I wanted to talk about it was that. Amazing. I feel like the sound mixing kind of fell apart. Yeah, with so, that. yeah, for sure. The sound was a little rough, but I, I loved the fight itself. It's, yeah, it's I so, thought it was very realistic. I was like, yeah. this is these are this is a smart guy fighting a guy who knows how to fight. I like, like their pulling kick, the rug their out. Kicking was and, so much fun too, though. Like there was like three kicks in a row that I. It's loved. not. I mean, the most outrageous fight scene I've ever seen is the Frank Sinatra versus. Uh, who is it? Is it in the Manchurian Candidate where he, where he's like jump kicking a guy? It's the dumbest Gosh. thing ever. It's hysterical. <laughs> That's one it thing with, with all these older movies. Fight scenes can often be like you watch them now and you go, oh god. Oh no. yeah. I really liked this one though. I thought it was really cool. Back I was like, he's, I was like, he's running out of objects in the room to throw at. Like, what's gonna ha- eventually? One of them is gonna reach a gun. What will Mailman really do? Cool. Back yeah. when they didn't have the shaky cam to hide the yeah to yeah hide the poor fighting. There's a, there's a fun there's a, there's a fun element to that. that it it kind of goes along. Uh, for me, it goes. Along with like the like you said like the, the porn music at the beginning and, and, and the way the way um, the way the credits unfold over the opening scene yeah. it, that people don't do I that, miss that anymore so much. and then of course the ending just kind of freeze frame ending in the middle yeah. of, like, I love that <laughs> oh my god but that are, shot is so good just his face between the oh that's cool there's things that those are things that you don't see in movies anymore you know yeah. and and I can understand why somebody might watch this movie. Um, those dated a little bit. Sure, it does yeah. certainly, yeah, because it's those are filmmaking. Those are filmmaking techniques that are are decades from decades ago. So obviously, yeah, yeah there's going to be a certain level that I can understand why some people might see elements of that in this movie and go and be like turned off by it. Yeah. I, I've never had a problem with that, but I know some people that have a hard time watching some older movies, which yeah. I disagree with. But whatever, teach his own. Uh, I I think it it kind of adds more to like it adds a bit of character, a bit of flair to the movie. I don't know. I enjoy it because it's. It just takes you back to that time period, like, instantly. Like, you can imagine these guys making this movie and, like, listening to, like, disco and stuff. I don't know. I kind of <laughs> oh, <yeah>. dig it. <laughs> and and, and uh, the technology... It, I mean, the movie is... The movie was made when it was made for a reason. Yeah, yeah. And to watch a Cold War-era movie that's made now is still interesting, but to see it when it was... When the, that was the technology and that yeah. was what you did was... I need that in the computer by 4 o'clock. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. that, that's amazing. Like, that that's how the world was, and... I loved the line by uh, John Hausman, who was like, when he asked if you missed that kind of action with the war, he's like, do you miss that kind of action? He said, no, I miss that kind of certainty. I was like, whoa, that's so good. When you knew who the bad guy was and you knew who to point a gun at and pull the trigger. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool because the world has been such shades of gray ever since. And I love catching a catching a movie right at the kind of beginning of this whole new idea of espionage and, yeah. mm-hmm. and information. Yeah, it's very it's cool. very, very cool. It's 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 neat to see anytime you can see a movie um, about a certain time period that's through the lens of that time period. It's, yeah. it's very neat to see that. Similar to, to watching Godzilla with like Hiroshima in mind. And, Absolutely, yeah. yeah, and that's that's similar to like like why I've always loved the uh, loved uh, the seventies Dawn of the Dead because it's such a cool like like it's very much a seventies film. It looks like a seventies film. It acts and behaves like a 70s film but it's cool because the movie is dealing with kind of the the emergence of shopping malls and that consumerist so yeah. it's, it's cool to see it through the lens of somebody who is like the beginnings of that you know that social change it's very cool yeah. shout what else what else do you have say not much. Fade on away. Uh, Fade on away is gorgeous, by the way. Just throwing that out there. I hate, I don't like Fade on away as an actress typically, mm. but she was. I don't know. Again, to to reiterate what I, a little bit what I said earlier, but expand on it. I thought she was a interesting counterpoint to him because she started off as 
I was like, oh, here we go. Like, as soon as he kidnaps her, I was like, kidnaps pretty girl. And, <laughs> sees, him, sees her. Yeah, but I thought that there was more to her character than, than enough credit is being given for. Like, when he brings her, when he goes back to her apartment, it's it's it very much paints a picture of a very solitary person who mm-hmm. lives, who's a very private person and, and leads a, a, a solitary, kind of a loner lifestyle. And he immediately identifies it in all of her photography. Yeah. And he's not wrong. That's kind of... And her relationship with the guy is very iffy. It seems like they, it's not a, it's not a really dedicated, deep relationship. Like she's, she never was like, I ha- she didn't ever seem too concerned with getting there other than just, she thought she was in danger. And I kind of, I buy into the, I buy into the, the sex because <laughs> two people in that kind of scenario, it's, it's almost like in, a, in like a, a movie where a character survives a really extreme dangerous incident and they come back and they're never quite the same person. And, and part of them is still there with that. Uh, Two people, and I read a little bit about this after I watched the movie because I was curious what other people thought about it. And a lot of people were citing, and I, I don't know, I, I presume this is true because I've heard it before, but apparently, you know, the, the centers in the brain that, that control, like, fear and danger response and as well as, well as like, sexual urges are, are closely related because they're very instinctive feelings. And that frequently when people come out of instances of danger, they're, they're, they feel more alive and so their primal urges kick in more, especially the instinct to do stuff like that. So I, I buy into it in this scenario because I feel like She's maybe the type of person, she's an artistic person, and she might find the idea of of getting caught up in this kind of game interesting. Mm. Now, did Faye Dunaway portray that as clearly as I would have liked? Not necessarily. Sure. I think maybe today a, a little more nuanced performance from a, a different actress may have conveyed it a little bit better, someone who's having a little more fun with it. And there's a character in Luther, in particular, who I'm thinking of, who, who would relate to this scenario very, very well. But... I think especially afterwards, when with all her little one-liner about, she's like, you can always rely on the spy fucker. I was like, wow. Because <laughs> she made him feel guilty about it. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. I was like, she doesn't seem to mind. She kind of likes him. And like she talks about the traits about him that she likes later. And she talks, she respects his kindness and how how intelligent and alert he is. So she does actually, I think, like him. And she begins to realize he's not lying and he's not a terrible person because he does identi- he identifies things about her because he's a smart, observant guy. Mm-hmm. He identifies a lot about her photography. The way she, when she was tied up, she didn't say untie me. She was kind of almost enjoying the game of it. I thought it was another game within the games of this movie, and there was this weird relationship dynamic between these two. So, and, and a woman's most powerful weapon, I think, and a lot of women will agree, and as typically portrayed in a lot of shows with strong female characters, is their sexuality and their ability to, to use men. The like Game of Thrones paints this very yeah. clearly. There's mm-hmm. a lot of fiction that shows this and it's not a slight against women it's it's like the ultimate of an undoing of a lot of men so after she slept with them i expected her to turn on him or kill him or maybe not kill him but get the gun on him and say now you know get the fuck out of my apartment or something like that <laughs> so i i by no means i'm writing this character off whatsoever as just a cheap throwaway product of the 70s i thought there was a lot more to her than mm. than there initially was going to be and I think the relationship between them was interesting. And, and the way that they knew it was going to be a little, I think it was a little fling, and they kind of knew they knew it wasn't going to turn into anything, especially the way they let each other go at the end. She's like, if you survive this, you know, maybe, because she thought he was going to die. He probably thought he was going to die. I thought that was cool. It was two adults in a, in a, in a bizarre scenario in life, and then they just went away. Maybe, may, I think a lot of what, a lot of the ideas that you have could have come to better fruition if... Um, because the this is based on a book and it came out like a year like while the book was being developed and the book yep. is titled Six Days of the Condor, and maybe if they didn't feel the need to do the time compression and 
do it in three days instead of six. If we would have spent more time with the two characters yeah. together. I, th- I think that they're... I, I don't think I'm on a, an entirely wrong track. I don't think I'm making any of this up. I think all no, the evidence no. is there. But I think that maybe a little tweak here and there to script. And basically, I'm glad the movie focused on being a thriller and didn't focus on being a love story. Yeah, yeah, I'm thankful absolutely. for that. Yeah. But I think that the relationship between those two, especially on our rewatch, is going to be pretty interesting. I think there's a, there's a dynamic there. Because we, as the audience, I think, kind of make this association, the same association that he does, where here's just a girl that I will use to get out of the situation. But then it, she ends up being a little more interesting than that. Yeah. And I kind of respected it for that. I think it was a little bit, it wasn't the best, but it was a little bit ahead of its time. I think part of it for me, too, is with <clears throat> my, my dislike a little bit of her character was I wasn't, it takes a long time for you to kind of realize what her relationship with the guy on the phone is like, cause you're not even sure, you know, she's like, she's got a guy waiting for her. So like I found that that made me find it harder to believe that like within the couple days or whatever, that she's all of a sudden like, yep, panties off, ready to roll. You know, like that seemed a little bit, cause she, if she already has it, but once you get to know that, okay, maybe she's not actually that, I mean, I think she's a, serious she's a bit of a, it, you know? a little bit of a flues. I mean, the relationship with the guy isn't that he's got three like kind of crappy shirts in her closet. That doesn't really mean they yeah. could be her shirts too that she wears like when she if she's painting or something. Yeah. I don't know. True, it does take a while for them to establish that though. So I think at first I'm like, oh no, like she's just going to be like, yep, I'm down. Like I think that's this kind guy of the that's skiing, of it. you know. And then when she uh, agrees to help him out, she's kind of having fun with it. Like her character was unusually like into the scenario of playing the spy. Mm. I thought that was kind of kind of interesting to watch. The way she sits down in the restaurant and is like, "Hey, yeah. I would do it if I were you. I'll save the sandwich for you." Yeah. I was like, "Ooh, she is enjoying this game. She's having more fun with it than Redford is because to her, there's I don't think there's as much at stake. <laughs> she, she doesn't realize the danger except yeah. mailman showed up and he was going to kill her. <laughs> mailman, George Costanza. That's what he reminded me of. For no, some I thought." I thought it was a, it was a really interesting movie. I thought the dynamic between them was pretty good. Um, that's that. Can we talk about Cliff for a second? Dak Cliff. Cliff. It took me a second to realize it was Cliff. Ben, I'm not yeah. gonna lie. Like OG Uncle Ben. Yeah, yeah. He was. <laughs> he's so uh, etched in my memory as Uncle Ben from Spider Man that like yeah. I forget that he was young once. So yeah, it was nice. To it see reminded him. me a lot of Rubicon, especially the not not just the twist, but kind of what why the big why of why everything was happening yeah that's true that's 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 true but and truxton the character of truxton feels like he's drawn right out of this this movie i just love the i think um but i know you like the researchy side of it rubicon's much more hands-off with it all it's not quite well, there well are, yeah well there, there are people dying around will every friggin' day mm. and it's not like he's not by the end of Rubicon, Will is still very much nerdy researcher guy. He's not out there fending to keep himself alive. He hasn't had to become a makeshift field agent. He doesn't yeah. have the military background. Redford was ex-military, kind of... yeah. yeah. So I, I like that more about Rubicon. But and He's just a smart man. Yeah. No, I agree. And I, I, like, I like this movie a lot because it feels like a good middle ground. Like, Redford barely knows how to use a gun. Yeah. yeah. He kind of does. He and holds he kind, kind of, of knows, he knows how to fight a little bit better. But even then, it's just it's just smart fighting. It's like, yeah. hey, he's running towards the gun. Let me yank the rug out. Oh, let me just grab this shit. And throw. Like, I love the grabbing a coffee pot and just turning mm-hmm. around and throwing it at the guy. I was like, this feels like... Again, it, again, it's it's what I... <laughs> 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 I made a pocket center reference the other day. <laughs> I loved it. Um, this this kind of echoes what I, I really respected about World War Z and Brad Pitt's character. It was a smart guy doing smart things, yeah. and, and and the the Jack Ryan Harrison Ford stuff is that it's it's a it's a smart guy doing doing things. I will say the whole um... even kind of witnessy. There's some clever stuff in, mm-hmm. in Witness. Yeah. Have you ever seen Witness? No. 
That's a cool movie. Oh, it's um, we're we're at the top of this game. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think I think uh, the the whole uh, oh he was uh, he, he was phone switcher on the base for blah 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 blah. That's a little bit convenient for me. Ah, uh, I got gotcha. And that he ends up using that skill to go and to go and you know tap into the phones and kind of. I thought that was also something. I, I I guess I didn't think. I thought that was something he'd learned in a book. Also, I dug that part of his character that he was a big book reader who learned. That's one of the things I, I almost like would have it. rather they focused on that. Like it almost became an episode of The Pretender for a while. Like he just was doing crazy things that he read about once. <laughs> uh, that would be kind of cool. I think that it, idea it made, is... it made sense with his background, though. He wasn't he wasn't a field agent. He was an intelligence guy. No, yeah, and I mean to say that you know, I, th- I think it on, makes sense because like that that's what it, his training was in, and he used that. Skill. It just feels a little. I don't know. Hmm. It feels very convenient. To me, that he, but, okay, but yeah. that's it's a it's a conceit of the story, and and I I'll take it for what it is. But I'm surprised that they didn't think of that because it's if if those are my skills, I would say, well, how can I utilize what I'm good at? Yeah, and so for him to, to follow, but they're that, they're a bunch of like government brass, you know? They're not. I mean, they're they they probably didn't even very like they basically looked that's at true, him because Max von Sydow said later, I knew you'd be here. They did yeah, though, but and 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 when they're when they're like. Basically, when they're looking at that file, they're like, "How dangerous this is, is this guy?" And they're it's like, true. "Oh, he's not super." Yeah, they like, underestimate he, the heck yeah. out of him big yeah. time, so, which is very cool. And Sido like knows because he's he's in the shit too. He knows what it's like being on the on the pavement, hitting yeah. the ground and, and running. Like those guys are, they just have a think tank and they say, "Come to your best, secret yeah. building and we evaluate." Which they're probably right ninety nine percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were just wrong in this one percent. Yeah. They so. uh, this movie could have used some Richard Crenna though. Just saying, <laughs> some Crenna would be great. Colonel Troutman. Yeah, that would be He'd sweet. fit perfectly into this This world. is a movie I would actually not be terribly opposed to seeing remade, mm. because I feel like we live in an era... I knew as soon as I went looking for topics, I was going to see people drawing a comparison to Snowden. And sure enough, there were, there oh, were lots. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, this feels like a movie that if, if it could be remade and it was remade well, it could be very interesting. Who would, be, who would play the Redford character, though? Well, okay, who I would think, you want playing the Redford character, and then who would Hollywood cast as the Redford character? <laughs> James Badgedale is who I would want to play it, honestly. Okay. Just yeah, a kind don't. of... A kind, I mean, Red, Redford's clearly, like, an attractive dude. He was, like, a big deal back then, but he's he's more of an everyman. Sure. He wasn't this Schwarzenegger... Beast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was just more of a, a, a cool... He had every everyday good looks. I could see a fast bender. Yeah. I, I, could, I, would, I, would, I could peg Hollywood casting, like... Matt Damon, though, probably. I mean, let's just throw it right out there. That's probably who they would cast. Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. Oh, <laughs> my God. He's busy doing Gambit. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the great Gambino. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, yeah. DiCap- I would watch DiCaprio in a movie like this. Sure. A guy like him is sure. cool. Yeah, that, and that feels like a very Robert Redford choice for today. Mm, yeah. Even Brad Pitt. Yeah. But I liked the somewhat youth of Redford's character. Even though, yeah. he, even though he was, like, 39 when they made it. He, but he seemed he, youthful. He seemed a little bit more, like maybe early 30s. I also liked, it was an interesting uh, bit that he hadn't, it didn't seem like he'd been at the job that long. Maybe like a year or two. Mm. He was familiar enough, but they even said, the guy was like, I don't get the sense that you're happy here. Like, he kind of had an idea that he was almost still, he was newer, he was a little greener than some of the other yeah. guys. That makes sense. I could see that. I kind of liked that, I didn't think that aspect that, of but... his character that he was maybe looking for something else and his line of still trusting people and not being able to tell people what he did for a living. He clearly wasn't too settled into it yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool character. I, I, yeah, I enjoy the heck out of it. I, I'd I'd be, I'd I foresee a pretty solid Redford a... kick in, in coming the future. Because I really wanted to watch a quiz show the other day. Yeah. Mm. 
ever since uh, all was lost i was like before he dies i really want to see like a ton of his work so i can have a, a just, like knock out the red so, so you can cry when he when oh he yeah like i did when paul newman died yeah i was pretty upset about that one that I one, still, my, that I, one I, and leslie nielsen were the two that really oh, <laughs> hit hard yeah Speaking of uh, Paul Newman, my dad was very much... My mom asked me about American Hustle and and stuff, and I saw it with my dad. And I was like, yeah, I liked it quite a bit, blah, 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 blah. My dad's like, yeah, it was it was okay, but, I mean, there's better, like, kind of con movies out there. Like, haven't you ever seen The Sting? And I'm like, no, I haven't. And he's like, you need to watch The Sting because it's way better. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. Plus, so, it's the ice cream truck music. Those two, those two were a good, a good team up. Yeah, Paul Newman was just such a, such a stud, man. What a, what a G. What a G. He was so good. <laughs> His ranch is fantastic. Was he Butch Cassidy or the Sundance Kid? I don't. He even... was Butch Cassidy. Okay, that's right. All right, we can wrap it up. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our review of Three Days of the Condor. Thank you, Nick, for suggesting. I oh think, yeah, I've I always got, you... I've got truckloads of vintage picks. I think it was. I think it was pretty relevant because our other choice this week. I was. I threw out the Louis C.K. Uh, ah, he just yes. released his directorial debut called uh, uh, "Tomorrow Night." You know, before there was Pootie Tang, there was "Tomorrow Night." And um, did he direct Pootie Tang? Yes, he did. <laughs> and uh, and what? I did he really? <laughs> yes. And um, wow. So I would. I would like to see. Apparently, it's a movie that made the the festival circuit. But anyway, we kind of we could either do one of these two things and. And uh, even, like, Nick and I had talked and were like, yeah, maybe the Louis C.K. thing's a little more relevant. But I think this still, with Cap coming out and that it was such a big influence on them making the story. I um, really wanted to go retro with a retro review for once. Like, I was like, we need to see something that maybe listeners who are younger than us, or at least younger than me, have never seen or even bothered to look at. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm absolutely not opposed to doing that. Like, we can we can talk about this more you later. You guys but. could have been listening to a review about a Bill Paxton movie, but, you know, these guys had just... <laughs> what? Just what Bill Paxton movie? Near Dark. Oh, yeah. yeah I, guys, I, I, would, I, I would be done to Near We're Dark. totally going to do that one day, I promise. I promised him. <laughs> All that's right. retro enough. That falls within... No one's ever seen it. <laughs> Well, that's not true. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. And, and maybe if people want to write in, those people that yes. aren't listening. but uh, Give us ideas. Let us know like what you think like- about what you would like our retro reviews to be. Because we kind of have this somewhat nebulous idea of what it is right now. Sometimes yeah. it's applicable to what's going on. Sometimes it's Alex has Prince on the brain and let's watch Purple Rain. And... Other yeah, do you like do you like lesser known movies? Do you want to hear about those? Do you want to hear about ones? Or do that you are... want us to go back and say what we would think about like Raiders of the Lost Ark or those crazy classic, like yeah. really highly critically and box office acclaimed movies? Like what 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 do you listeners want to hear out of our retro reviews? Yes. When when something when we get because there's a few weeks that come out that are like, what do we want to review? <laughs> yeah. And we're just like, I don't know. Let's not go to the theater this so. week. Next week, I don't think, unless uh, Victor writes in and really wants to know what we think about Labor Day, I think we're going to go with Tomorrow Night, the uh, the Louis C.K. film. Mm. Oh. Since there's not, there's I don't think there's anything coming out. Um, Yo, Frankenstein is out. It's already out, but... Still time. <laughs> that's that's a Tim written review. Maybe we'll get, yeah, yeah, seriously, Tim, he needs Tim, to write that. Tim, get a few beers in him, writes a review of Yo, Frankenstein. I will, I will go see it if Tim wants to. A friend of mine saw it, he said it was every ounce as miserable as you would expect. Yeah. Good. So, so I expect I nothing less. I would not go see that I movie without more. Tim. Yeah. I will not be viewing that movie without Tim. Right, we, let's just all just catch, catch a matinee someday. <laughs> yeah. Yo, Frankenstein. All right. Uh, feedback at com. Let us know what you think. Write in. 
what should retro reviews be, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, please go read my review of that awkward moment. You might enjoy the review. Uh, I don't know if you care about the movie or not, but I still think it might be somewhat of a good read. I enjoyed it. Let me know what you think of my writing skills. If you want to read more of my writing, then I will write more. If not, I will probably still write more. Thank you, Willie. And uh, hopefully you'll hear hear, hear more writing out of us (laughs) soon. Yeah, hopefully you hear that. Hear of more writing. Through the grapevine. Yes. The Three grapevine. days for the condor. The grapevine of Twitter, which you can follow us at MFN Podcast. <laughs> what a segue. Uh, f- find our, our respective Twitter accounts on our uh, website, which is MidwestFilmers.com, where you can read our full show notes and all that good stuff. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Aunt Mr. John, for our music and artwork. Mm-hmm. We have artwork. Yeah. Yeah, we do. So you never heard me say that at the end of the episode? Yeah. Oh, I've, I've just always wondered what he said. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I thought <laughs> the, when you said it, I was, the, like, I was like... Oh, the, the MFN the cover the logo. Right there. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. And um, if uh, you want to check out a, 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 a print ad for the Midwest Film Nerds podcast, check out Code Monkey Saves the World, uh, Jonathan Colton and Greg Pack's comic that is out soon, if not available already. So that's about it. Kyle XY, go watch a movie. Except for H.